So this is from Exodus 4, our reading for this morning. Moses answered, What if they did not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored. The Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. The process of verbal communication is complicated. The idea, in my mind, needs to be encoded, needs to be put into words which communicate exactly what I want to say. Then that message needs to be transmitted. My words need to be uttered and you need to be able to hear them. For some of us, if the microphone or the speakers or the loop system or our hearing aid isn't working, then you aren't going to be able to hear what I say. And if you can't hear it, you won't be able to decode it or understand it. Howard remembers George Beasley Murray saying the most important thing in preaching the gospel is to be heard. Because if you can't be heard, you're wasting your time. And I need to be speaking in a way that you can understand. Wenn ich auf Deutsch spreche, also können viele von Ihnen nicht verstehen, was ich sage. If I speak in German, many of you won't understand what I'm saying. So you need to hear. You need to make sense of what I'm saying. And then you need to understand whether it's credible or not. 
Are you going to believe and accept it? If we have problems decoding what someone is saying to us, we might say, I'm sorry. And that apology might apply to any part of the decoding process. It might mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Or it might mean, I'm sorry, I heard you, but I, I didn't understand what you said. Or it might mean, I heard you okay, I understood what you said, I just think what you said is completely stupid. All sorts of barriers get in the way of, of decoding and communication. On the little chart there, you'll see I've got the man speaking on one side and the man listening, it might be a woman in the, in the interests of sexual equality, listening the other side. And the words come in between because all sorts of things get in the way of that process of communication. And sometimes the idea doesn't get translated into what is received. So for some reason, at some point between the idea, in my mind, I must write a PowerPoint for it to be available this morning, did not actually materialise in a PowerPoint being available this morning (laughs) for a sermon on communication. (laughs) As God commissions Moses to go back to Egypt and tell his people that God has sent him to lead the Israelites to freedom... Moses has all sorts of concerns about the communication process that that will entail. Is it going to work or not? He starts with the problems that people are going to have in terms of decoding his message. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to what I have to say, he says. You can understand his concerns. Why should they believe a stranger coming out of the wilderness telling them, God appeared to me in a burning bush. I'm the one who's going to lead you to freedom. Not exactly a very credible message, is it? How could they be sure that God had spoken to him? He wasn't just some kind of nutcase. And the stakes were high. A confrontation with Pharaoh was unlikely to end well. And they couldn't just humour and indulge this man and play along with him and see what was going to happen. Moses knew that people would be able to hear him and understand him all right. He spoke their language. The issue was, would they accept and believe what he had to tell them? Trust is essential to good communication. If there is no trust, people might be able to hear what the person says. They might be able to understand what the person says, but that doesn't mean to say they're prepared to believe a single word of it. That's why God gave Moses these signs to convince the people, convince the people that Moses was the genuine article. He really had been sent by God and wasn't just spinning fantastic stories out of thin air because he liked the attention. And the signs were pretty impressive. His staff turning into a snake and back into a staff again. The skin of his hand turning white and flaky, leprous like snow, and then being healed. And God says to Moses, if they don't believe you, they don't listen to what the first sign tells them, they might believe what the second sign tells them. Literally, God talks about them listening to or believing the voice of the sign. The word for voice is usually the sound made by the vocal cords when someone is speaking, which is what you're picking up. But here it's used in such a way that it's apparent that these miracles are signs intended to communicate something to those who see them in this case to assure them that Moses is indeed 
and authentic messenger who has been sent to them by the God of their ancestors. But if they don't believe either of the signs and they still won't listen to Moses, Moses should pour out some water from the river Nile onto the ground and it will turn to blood. That ought to do the trick. So God reassures Moses that there should be no problem with the Israelites decoding and accepting his message when he gets back to Egypt. The miraculous signs will get their attention. If the snake doesn't do the trick, the hand will, and if that doesn't work, then there's the water into blood. Moses can see where this is going, and he can see that it makes sense. So he cuts God off before God has a chance to explain what the effects of turning water into blood will be. Moses can see clearly enough that these signs will at least get people's attention. They will listen to what he has to say. And the miraculous nature of the signs will make them more predisposed to believe. (coughs) Excuse me. So he switches attention away from the potential problems his listeners may have with decoding his message to the difficulties he can see they are going to have with him encoding it, putting what God wants him to say into words and expressing it clearly. The problem's not going to be with them, The problem might be with me. I've never been eloquent, he says to God. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Literally, he says, I'm not a man of words. I wasn't one yesterday, I wasn't one the day before yesterday, and I'm still not one now, even though you've appeared to me. My problem is that that my mouth and tongue are heavy. He gets tongue-tied. Maybe he stammers or hesitates. Maybe the words come out all jumbled in the heat of the moment. Or maybe he just can't find the words to encode what is in his mind. He doesn't get a lot of sympathy from God here. Who gives anyone their mouth, the Lord says? Who grants the capacity to speak or hear? Who enables people to see or makes them blind? I can sort that issue for you, Moses. Our ability to communicate comes from God because he made us communicators. Moses may not be up to the job of getting the message across, but the God who is commissioning him most certainly is. And the time for excuses is running out. Off you go, says God. I'll help you speak and teach you what to say. Or again, more literally, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. In the last chapter, God has said to Moses that his name is I Am. And he uses exactly the same form of the verb here. I am with your mouth. What more does he need? I will let you know what I want you to say and I will be with you to help you encode it in a way that means that you can express it clearly. God is quite determined to use use Moses to get his message across. He will be with Moses to help him frame the words and encode the message and the signs he's given him to do will make the people sit up and pay attention and decode the message that God has given to him. God has said, look, I will oversee this communication process from beginning to end. At that point, Moses runs out of excuses and says what is really on his mind and in his heart. Can't you just find somebody else to do it? Isn't there somebody else to hand? God is none too pleased, but he does make a concession. He says to Moses, look, your brother Aaron is already on the way. As if God had anticipated, actually, that Moses would need his brother's help. He can speak well. Together you will form a very effective team. 
And the Lord tells Moses that Moses will speak to Aaron and give him the words to say, and God will be with Moses' mouth and with Aaron's mouth, and he will teach them both what to do. I am with your mouth. I am with Aaron's mouth. In some ways, Moses will be like God to Aaron. Moses will tell Aaron what to say, and Aaron will act as Moses' mouthpiece, speaking to the people on his behalf. So Moses hears from God. He encodes it and passes it on to Aaron, and Aaron transmits it in a way that the people will be able to understand and accept. And with Moses' staff to hand, ready to be turned into a stake, the people will also be receptive to listen to what they have to say and will be prepared to believe them. The whole communication process is taken care of. In some ways, this passage is all about Moses' reluctance to take on the job. He just wishes God would find somebody else. Faced with the task of being God's messenger, the prospect of passing on to the people what God has told him to say fills him with dismay. Will they be prepared to listen to him and believe him and decode the message? Will he be able to encode the message, choosing the right words to get it across, communicating clearly and with conviction? All of these hesitations on Moses' part draw attention to the vital importance of good communication if all of this is going to work. Many great ideas fail simply because they're never communicated properly. Because they're not well formulated, people can be reluctant to take them on board. God has a plan to rescue his people. He wants his plan to work. So getting the communication right is vital. He will speak to Moses. He will be with Moses' mouth as he puts his words into Aaron's mouth. And God will be with Aaron's mouth as he verbalizes and expresses what God has told Moses. And God will be ready to authenticate the message with three signs so that the people are all ready to take it on board. God is not prepared for his project to fail because of a breakdown or failure in communication. He will be crucial to the entire process from beginning to end to ensure that what God has in his heart is what the people hear and believe and accept. Notice what the Lord says to Moses. You will speak to Aaron and put words in his mouth, and that will be as if you were God to him. Because Moses is putting his words in Aaron's mouth, Moses will be like God to Aaron. There's a challenge to us in that. Do we allow God to put his words in our mouths? When we speak, do we speak God's words? 1 Peter 4.11 says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. That's a big responsibility. What's that kind of communication look like? In Ephesians, Paul makes it clear that we are to be people whose words are honest and true, spoken in such a way that they build others up according to their needs and benefit those who listen. That's what it means to have God's word in our mouths. And if Jesus is Lord of our lives, we need to let him govern what we say and how we say it. I said earlier that God has made us people with the capacity to communicate, but we are also fallen and sinful people, and that has an impact on our communication. 
Too often it's not God who puts the words into our mouths. It's easy to speak without thinking, without considering the impact that what we say and how we say it might have on those who are listening. And then sometimes those who are listening just aren't paying attention. They aren't tuning in. If you're married to someone, you'll know how very easy it is just to have that kind of switch-off button from time to time. Sometimes the meaning of our words gets distorted in the communication process. So we mean one thing by what we say, and the person who hears us decodes a very different message. At our church meeting on Wednesday, Stuart Davison was talking about this, about dogs and cats communicating to each other. The dog comes up wagging his tail to make friends. The cat interprets a tail wagging very differently and takes offence and runs away to hide. When relationships go strong, there is always, when relationships go wrong, there is always miscommunication because emotions get in the way. We've all had the experience of saying something that comes out wrong, saying something we don't really mean because we're upset. Equally, if we're cross with the person talking to us, it's very easy to impose our own negative interpretation on their words, so they say one thing and we hear something very different. If that happens all too easily when people are talking face-to-face, the potential problems are compounded exponentially when you're communicating by email. So be careful what you say, how you say it, who you say it to. Let God put his words in your mouth. Let him be with your mouth as you frame and express what you want to say. And as you listen to what somebody else says, pay attention and listen carefully. Take time to process what's been said before you reply and allow even longer to process your reply if what's been said to you has made you angry or upset. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, even slower to become angry. Max Warren, the General Secretary of the Church Mission Society, spoke about the need for quadruple thinking. Thinking out what I have to say, then thinking out how the other person will understand what I have to say, then rethinking what I have to say, so that when I say it, the other person will think what I'm thinking. That's a painstaking process. But getting communication right matters so much to God that he came in the person of his son to become one with us, to become one of us, to come right down to our level and to communicate with us in a way that we can understand. Sometimes we read stuff in the Bible and we think, oh, can't make sense of that. Jesus is the key to understanding what God is saying. If you want to understand what you read of God's word in the Bible, you need to start with Jesus and let him interpret it for you. Because Jesus only ever said what God put in his mouth. The question is, are we listening? And are we prepared to believe what he says? Let's pray.
Lord, we can all think of failures in communication. Forgive us when we've been responsible for that. When our emotions have got in the way in terms of putting what we want to say into the right words and saying it in the right way. When we've been more concerned about winning an argument than being concerned for the other person's feelings or perspective. For the times where we've not been prepared to give someone else the benefit of the doubt, but have seen them through the screen of our own negative interpretation of who they are. Forgive us. Give us clarity of thought, pure hearts. Put your words in our mouths and teach us to listen carefully. Free up the channels of communication in our church, in our families, at our workplaces. Break down barriers. And when you have something to say to us, enable us to hear it clearly and help us to trust you for the truth of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.